This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Hopalong Cassidy is a fictional cowboy hero created way back in 1904 by the author Clarence E. Mulford, who wrote a series of popular short stories and many novels based on the character. Now, in his early writings, Mulford portrayed the character as rude, dangerous, and rough-talking. He had a wooden leg, which caused him to walk with a little hop, hence the nickname. The character, as played by movie actor William Boyd from 1935 in films, was completely different. He was transformed into a clean-cut, sarsaparilla-drinking hero. As portrayed on the screen, white-haired Bill Hopalong Cassidy was usually clad strikingly in black, including his hat. That was an exception to the Western film stereotype that only villains wore black hats. He was reserved and well-spoken with a sense of fair play often called to intercede when dishonest characters took advantage of honest citizens. Hoppy and his white horse Topper usually traveled through the West, solving problems that cropped up along the way. George Hayes, later to become known as Gabby Hayes, originally played Cassidy's grizzled sidekick, Windy Holiday. After Hayes left the series because of a salary dispute with producer Harry Sherman, he was replaced by the veteran movie comedian Andy Clyde as California Carlson. Uh, Clyde, the most durable of all the sidekicks, remained with the series until it ended. Producer Harry Sherman gave up the series in 44, but William Boyd wanted to keep it going. Now, to do this, he gambled his future on Hopalong Cassidy. He mortgaged most of what he owned to buy the character rights from Mulford and the backlog of movies from Sherman. No slouch of a businessman, Boyd thought Hopalong Cassidy might have a future in television. He spent $350,000 to obtain the rights to his old films and approached the fledgling NBC network. The initial broadcasts were so successful that NBC could not wait for a television series to be produced and edited the feature films to broadcast length. On June 24th of 49, Hopalong Cassidy became the first network Western television series. The success of the television series made Boyd a star and a very rich man. He earned millions as Hopalong, mostly from merchandise, licensing, and endorsement deals. In 1950, Hopalong Cassidy was featured on the first lunchbox to bear an image, causing sales of Aladdin Industries lunchboxes to jump from 50,000 units to 600,000 units per year. Tonight's episode is entitled Lawyer of Laredo. With action and suspense out of the Old West comes the most famous hero of them all, Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd.
The ring of the silver spurs heralds the most amazing man ever to ride the prairies of the early west. Hopalong Cassidy, the same Hoppy you cheer in motion pictures, and the same California you've laughed at a million times. Raw courage and quick shooting have built a legend around this famous hero. Hopalong is a name to be feared, respected, and admired. For this great cowboy rides the trails of adventure and excitement. William Boyd as Hopalong Cassidy and Andy Clyde as California. What's our story this time, Hoppy? This one we call The Lawyer of Laredo. He starred in the barren country that borders the Rio Grande as California and I were moving over one of the biggest cattle spreads in the world, the Broken M Ranch. It belonged to the Mayos, a family full of pride and arrogance. We kept running into their hands from time to time, and on the second day of crossing through, one of them rode up to tell us Jesse Mayo wanted to see us. Jesse was boss of the Broken M, so we headed for the big hacienda. With Jesse was his cousin Garth, foreman of the outfit. Been a few years since I've seen you, Cassidy. What kept you away? You might ask your cousin Garth about that. Garth, what's he got to do with it? Cassidy figures himself a sort of eagle, Jesse. Don't like to be told what to do. I ordered him out of Nugget City a while back, and he got a little sensitive about it. As I remembered, Garth, I told you to go howl at the moon. And you swore I'd be shot if I ever set foot on male holding. That's right, I did say that. And what I say, I mean, so... Put your gun back, Garth. I've got other things to talk about. Cassidy, maybe you remember my daughter, Joan. I certainly do. One of the prettiest girls I ever saw. Must be about 18 now. She's 19. And she's one of the stubbornest girls you ever saw. Come over here to this window. Look down there in that stockade. Recognize the fellow tied to the post? Hmm. Looks like young Duke Faber. It is young Duke Faber. Well, I knew you hated Charlie Faber, Jesse. But I never figured you'd carry on the feud with his son. Not with Charlie dead and buried. Never mind the moralizing. Just listen to me. Duke Faber's down there because of my daughter. Right now, Joan is in Laredo. Ran away from me. Because I wouldn't let her marry Duke Faber. Waiting for a favor to show up in Laredo so they can get married anyway. As far as she's concerned, I can go to blazes. I'm sorry to hear that, Jesse. Joan's a fine girl. I always liked her. And she likes you. She'd probably listen to you. That's why I'd like you to go to Laredo and talk to her. And what would I say? I wonder if you have any idea how much I control things in this country around here. Yeah. Part of my holdings are in the United States and part in Mexico. It gives me a lot of power. You might even say it gives me the power of life and death. Mm-hmm. What would I say to the girl, Jesse? Tell her I've got favor here. Tell her she has to agree to give him up and come home. Tell her if I don't see her here in five days, agree under those conditions, Duke Faber is going to die. Now, back to Hopalong Cassidy and our story, The Lawyer of Laredo. The Mayos and the Sabres. It had been one of the bitterest feuds in the history of the cattle country. But now romance has sparked between young Duke Faber and pretty Joan Mayo, and they want to get married. But Jesse, Joan's father and head of the Mayo clan, has laid down his ultimatum. Either the girl agrees to forget the boy, or the boy dies. Well, Cassidy, what's your answer? Will you carry that message to my daughter? I don't know, Jesse. 
seems to me you and young Duke's father used to be pretty good friends, Cassidy. That's right, Garth. Charlie Faber once saved my life. Yeah, I remember that, too. Ain't liable to give you ideas, is it? What are you talking about, Garth? Well, Cassidy might figure he could help the kid get away from here. Ah, forget it. Nobody could get that kid out of here. Made up your mind yet, Cassidy? Yes, Jesse, I made up my mind. What you're asking sounds like a dirty job to me. Better find somebody else to do it for you. Kind of a shame we're pulling out now, Hoppy. Uh, just when they're getting ready to serve up chow. Uh, we'll eat out of her saddlebag. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. See, what's the matter? You, you get something in your mind? Oh, it's that kid. You know, his father did save my life. So what are we going to do? Uh, right now, I'm thinking. Jesse Mayo didn't invite me here as a guest. and I don't figure it would be violating any hospitality rules. If, if we... we wish to help get that kid away. Huh? That's just what I've been thinking. Oh, now take it easy, Hoppy. We ain't got a chance of getting young Faber out of here. Not unless you want to swap lead with about 40 gunslingers. I'm not saying we should try to bulldog our way out. This is one of those times when you need a little finesse. Come on. Let's head for that stockade where they got him tied up. Uh, here we are. How about giving me a boost? You give me a boost. I'm the lightweight of this combination. <laughs> All right. Here you go. There. I'm up. Here. I'll give you a hand. All right. Here it, here it comes. so tough. Ah, oh, the tough part might crop up any second. Look, young Faber's still here, still tied to the post. Uh, they must leave him out all night. Oh, the males have never been noted for sympathy and understanding. Come on. Now, the kid seems to be asleep. You take his hands and I'll go to work on his feet. I'm tied with rawhide. Yeah, good thing I carry a boy knife. Hey, what is it? Take it easy, we're friends. Friends? Who are you? It's time for all that later. Right now, we want to get you away from here. You're going to have to carry me, then. I haven't got any more feeling in my feet than I fish. Oh, we'll carry you if we have to. Now, there. Now, get your feet. And there's his hands. I... Ooh, catch him. I've got him. I'll be all right. Just move me around a little. Yeah. What's that? Probably kept you sore. He comes around every once in a while. He's bad medicine. Can't even get to my gun. Not the way I'm holding this boy up. I've got a hand free. Well, this makes a very touching scene. Friend of yours, Faber? That's right, Chessure. Friends of his. If you're smart, you'll leave us alone. Me and Mac ain't never smart. We enjoy buttoning on things like this. Take a look at that, Mac. Them Lobos was trying to get that kid out of here. And one of them is Cassidy. Hop along, Cassidy. A guy with a reputation. And now he's all tight and not trying to keep the kid on his feet. Let go of that kid, Cassidy. He'll drop if I let go of him. No feeling in his legs. Let him drop. You heard me, Cassidy. I said let him drop. Sorry, Chester. I wouldn't do that to anybody. Not even you. Now, Garth Mayo had an idea you might try something like this, Cassidy. And you know what he told me? Garth said you 
catch that coyote trying to pull anything like that, you gun him down right where you find him. I'm a man that takes pride in carrying out orders. Back off, Kestor. Back off and let us alone. We're going out of here. <laughs> You're going out of here, all right. But you ain't going out on your feet. And we might as well settle that right now. Oh, my hand. My hand. Oh, now we're in for They'll be honest like wolves. Now we're settled up and they're not. Let's get to those horses. But the kid here in that pen. There's another gate. We can blow the lock. Get going. I'll keep them back. I walked out on the streets of Laredo, as I walked out in Laredo one day. I... Hi, Dope. Did you see your gal? No. No, I didn't see Joan, but I saw something else. The mails just rode into town, which means they come after me. Sit down, Duke. Rest your feet. I'm not sitting down, Hoppy. I just stopped in to tell you I'm going to round up some of my friends. If Jesse Mayo wants a showdown, he's going to get it. I'm not running any longer. How many men are with Jesse Duke? Twenty, maybe more. You round up that many friends on your side, and it'll be a lot more than a showdown. It'll be a war. I'm not running, Hoppy. Who's with Jesse? Garth Mayo, Chuck Chasseur, Rawhide Adams. And I thought I recognized Johnny Cleeg, that gunslinger from Parker City. Some rough boys there. It's no good, Hoppy. I'll never be able to marry Joan as long as her father feels the way he does. There's only one answer. I gotta have it out with him. Now wait a minute. Wait for you... what? So one of the males can pick me off like a sitting duck? I'll see you both later. Well, what are we gonna do about that kid? I've been thinking we might go and see Sanders McVeigh. A lawyer? Uh, what good's a lawyer when you're dealing with a male? McVeigh happens to be Jesse Mayo's own attorney. Handles all Jesse's affairs and has a lot of influence with him. McVeigh might be able to talk some sense into the men. Come on. All right. But suppose it don't do no good. Then I hope young Duke has more than just one or two friends. Because if he hasn't, we're going to be badly outnumbered. So, you can see how it is, Mr. McVeigh. Well, I'll talk to Jesse. I don't know if it'll do any good, though. Jesse's pretty stubborn. But he sent word he was coming over to see me within the hour, so I'll talk to him. It might be a good idea if you kept him from encountering young Faber in the meantime. We'll take care of that. We'll go out and find Duke right now. Well, no shine of the kid. We've been looking a couple of hours. Wonder if he left town. Oh, I don't think so. Not with Joan Mayo still here. If he did, I don't know. You hear that? Other side of town. Could have come from McVeigh's place. Maybe we'd better head over that way. Look! Crowd in front of McVeigh's house. Uh, something's wrong, all right. There's Joan Mayo at the door. Looks like she's been crying. I've got to talk to her. Let me through, will you please? Joan! Joan Mayo! Joan, it's Hopalong Cassidy. Remember me? Yes. Yes, I remember you. What is it, Joan? What's gone wrong here? Mr. Cassidy, my father, my father's just been shot. He's lying dead right in the backyard of his house. And Duke Faber, Duke Faber's the man who killed him. 
Now back to Hopalong Cassidy and our story, The Lawyer of Laredo. Her father murdered, apparently by the man she loved. This is the tragedy that confronts pretty Joan Mayo. And it's with reproach in her eyes that she faces Hopalong Cassidy, since Hoppy is Duke Faber's friend and has been helping him in his defiance of Joan's father. Duke Faber couldn't have killed your father, Joan. Duke isn't that kind of person. I never want to see him again, that's all. I never want to see him again. Joan, Joan, wait a minute. Let her alone, Cassidy. You've caused enough trouble already. How do you figure that, Garth? Well, if it wasn't for you helping Faber, he'd never have had the chance to burn Jesse down. Now, where's Faber now? Let's get him. I saw him run down the street right after the shooting. Where? Which way did you see him run? Down Bob Miller's table. Wait a minute, Garth. What do you expect to do with that rope? What do you think he's going to do with it? You use ropes for hanging, don't you? Yeah. This ain't gonna pay for no hanging. I'm gonna find that killer and let Jesse's horse drag him around a little to make up for what he done to Jesse. I'd reconsider that idea if I were you, Garth. There's evidence your cousin Jesse was killed by Duke Faber. Duke can stand trial. But in the meantime, I wouldn't pull anything fancy. You think you can stop us? I can try. Yeah, well, I'm telling you something, Cassidy. You got 30 minutes to get out of town. If you're still around by then, you'll be staying permanent. Real permanent. Who is it? Brad Gilroy, town marshal. Come in. Hey, you've been looking for Duke Faber. That's right. We're friends of his. I'm Duke's friend, too. Known him for years, from his father before him. Just between the three of us, I know where he is. Yeah, hiding out? He feels he has to hide out, and so do I. That mail outfit has taken over the town. How about law and order? In Laredo, I'm the law and order. I've got one deputy sick and the other up north. So it's one man. One man against 15 or 20 gunfighters. Pretty big odds. Too big. So I thought I'd shorten them a little by deputizing you fellas. All right, if you feel you need us. Well, that's just the way I do feel. I know you by reputation, Cassidy, and right now I feel I need you badly. Is Duke Faber still in Laredo? Yes, I, I was afraid to try keeping him in jail, so... I let him hole up in the cellar of my house. I'd like to talk to him. Oh, come on. We'll go there right now. Who's there? It's me, kid. Take it easy. Oh, I thought maybe it was... Hey, it's Hoppy. Ah, you made yourself hard to find, Duke. Am I glad to see you, Phyllis. Duke, tell me something. And give it to me straight. Did you put that bullet in Jesse Mayo? I don't think I did, Hoppy. You don't think you did? You said to give it to you straight. Well, I did some drinking this afternoon. It was pretty hot, and I guess I passed out. Well, how about your pistol? I don't have it. Must have dropped it somewhere. Which makes it look bad, I know. Still doesn't prove you're guilty. Only a fair trial can do that, and I aim to see you get one. Hoppy? Yeah? How about Joan? Does she... She's pretty unhappy, Duke. Yeah. Yeah, I guess she must be. Marshal, how about Jesse Mayo's body? Do you have it under your jurisdiction? No, the Mayo outfit wouldn't turn it over. There ought to be an autopsy performed on that body. Yeah, you're right. What are we going to do? Walk in there and try taking it away from them? The way they seem to feel, that could lead to a lot more killing. Joan Mayo. She's the one we need to see. What good would that do? She seems to be the bitterest one of the whole bunch. I'll talk to her. 
The night. Oh, now, hold on, Hoppy. Remember what Gothmail told you about getting out of town in 30 minutes? Well, that was hours ago. What do you think he'll do if he catches you now? I've got to talk to Joe Mayo. Could mean the saving of Duke Favor's life. Hey, Joe! You sure that's her window? Who's down there? Joan! Joan! I've got to talk to you. Who is it? Hop along, Cassidy. I've got to talk to you about Duke Faber. All right, wait there. I'll be down. Well, looks as though Duke might get a little luck on his side. Looks like we have it on our side, too. If that had been Garth Mayer's room with us in the moonlight, why, uh, say, what do you say we get a little closer to this wall anyway? I don't think Garth will be around here anywhere. Probably still up McVeigh's place. Uh, there ain't no place like Laredo. I've never been in this town yet when there wasn't trouble. Shh. Here comes Joan. Thanks, Joan. Thanks for coming down. What is it about Duke? He stands to lose his life if you don't do something about it. Duke Faber killed my father. Did you see him do it? No, of course not. But I... Then how do you know he did it? Well, everybody says... Everybody says. Suppose Duke didn't do it, and he dies for it. Oh, Mr. Cassidy, if I could only know... You could do your best to find out. You can say you think a post-mortem should be performed on your father's body. The marshal has the legal right to order one, but your cousin Garth is defying him. And Garth has enough gunfighters behind him to make that stick. A post-mortem. I guess I could do that. You'll have to override Garth's orders. Garth? Well... Would you come with us to Sanders McVeigh's house now? All right. I'll come. Hi, who is it? It's me, boss. Chasseur. I got the town marshal with me. He wants to talk to you. What's the matter with you, Chasseur? You know what I told you about? But Miss Joan is with him, Garth. And she said this is mighty important. And now the doctor and I'll join the party. Me too. Cassidy. What kind of trick is this, Gilroy? I came here to talk about law and order, Mayo. And I thought I might need a little help. Yeah, well, I don't figure you brought along quite enough help. Take a look around. I've already looked. I've already recognized Rawhide Adams, Chester Clark, and Tex Marvin. A tough bunch. Take a better look, Gilroy, in the corner. Tell them who you are, cowboy. I don't think you and the marshal ever met. I'm Fleeg. Johnny Fleeg. No. Fleeg and I have never met. But I've heard of him. All right, Gilroy, what do you want? If it's Jesse's body, the answer is no. You're wrong, Garth. The answer is yes. I'm... Now, wait a second, Joan. You ain't gonna let him take your daddy out of this house. I feel I have to, Garth. To make sure that justice is done. After all, I believe I'm head of the Mayo family now. That's where you're wrong, young lady. McVeigh, where are you? Right here, Garth. Tell my little cousin here why our daddy come to see you this afternoon. As your father's attorney, I drew up his will, Miss Mayo, several years ago. This afternoon, he came here to direct me to alter it. He wanted you disinherited. But before we could get around to that, he was shot. So the will still stands, and you'll inherit all the Mayo holdings. Now tell her how the will works, McVeigh. What Garth is getting at is the fact that you can't control anything until you're 30 years old. 
Until that time, control of the estate rests with the executor. So you see, Joan, you ain't really head of the family at all, which means I'm going to say what's to be done with your daddy's body, and I'm ashamed of you. Trying to help your own father's murderer. How do I know it was murder? My father's temper was horrible. He may have forced Duke Faber into a fight. I'm sorry, Miss Mayo. It was no fight. Your father was about to mount his horse in back of his house. He was standing with one foot in the stirrup when Duke Faber came around the fence and shot him without warning, before Jesse had a chance. All right, Gilroy, there it is. Now you're going to try taking Jesse's body out of here? Have you turned this room into a slaughterhouse? No, I'll wait. But I'll get it, Mayo. It's the law, and I'll get it somehow. You talk too much, Marshal. You talk too much for your own good. What do you think, Hoppy? Looks bad for the kid, don't it? But then, for all we know, Duke probably did do the killing. After all, he was drunk. He admits that himself. I know, but I still can't believe Duke Faber killed Jesse Mayo. And besides, a man is always entitled to a fair trial. Any man. Garth Mayo has his way. Duke won't get a fair trial. Doctor just told me something I didn't know about, Cassidy. Seems he had a look at Jesse Mayo right after Jesse was shot. Doc happened to be passing by and somebody called him. Doc said the bullet entered Jesse's left side but didn't come out. I don't know whether that means anything or not, but it... It means a lot. It means that... Gilroy! The window. That shot came from the window. Quick, California, run for the doctor. The marshal's hurt badly. How is he? The doctor says he's going to live. Doc sure worked on him a long time. Saw him this morning. Gilroy's going to be sick for a long time. Several months, probably. Can't figure why he was shot. Because there was still the chance that he'd be able to claim Jesse Mayo's body. And somebody didn't want that to happen. I don't know, Harvey. This whole business looks pretty hopeless to me. We can't let it look hopeless, California. We're Gilroy's deputies. And right now, we're the only form of law and order that exists in Laredo. So we'd better start working at it. Getting ready to go somewhere, McVeigh? Cassidy, what are you doing around here this time of morning? I asked if you were going somewhere. Uh, to the Mayo Ranch. A lot of matters for me to take care of there. You're the executor of the Mayo Estate, aren't you, McVeigh? That's right. Jesse named me in the will. Yeah, that'll give you quite a lot of influence in the Southwest, won't it? Give you the chance to make a lot of money, too. Cattle deals on the side, land deals... Now, wait a minute. Just what are you getting at, Cassidy? Garth, come on out here. I am getting at the fact that you stand to profit a great deal because Jesse Mayo died. What's going on out here? I'm saying that McVeigh killed Jesse Mayo and then talked you into keeping the marshal away from the body because there's a 38 bullet still in it. That's small caliber for around here, but it's about the size a man like McVeigh would use. Why, you're crazy, Cassidy. Why don't you want that bullet revealed, McVeigh? Because you own a 38 and everybody knows that Duke Faber always carries a 45. I'm arresting you, McVeigh, on suspicion of murder. And I'm claiming Jesse Mayo's body in the name of the law. Garth, are you going to let him get away with this? What would I get out of stopping him, McVeigh? I will run the holdings together. We'll have more power than any other two men in Texas. And we'll have it legally. Well, Garth, what's your play? I'm throwing in with McVeigh. Better think that over carefully, Garth. You'll be bucking something bigger than any of us. I don't figure it that way at all, Cassidy. I figure I'm just bucking you. Watch yourself. I'm throwing down on you right now. He's down. 
Oh, you beat him to it, Hoppy. Uh, don't move, McVeigh, or you'll get it, too. No. No, I'll, I'll sign a confession, a full confession. Then we'll go right now and get it over with, so Joan May will know that Duke Faber didn't kill her father. Take care of Garth, California. Come on, McVeigh. Whoa there, horse. Take it easy, boy. All set, California? As soon as I get this cinch a little uh, <coughs> tighter. <laughs> there. That's better. Well, I'll take a last look around, and then it's goodbye, Laredo. Yeah, where Jesse Mayo found death, Duke Faber found his girl, and a man named McVeigh found you can't get away with murder. McVeigh wouldn't have found that out if you hadn't broken him down on it. Uh, how'd you figure it was McVeigh anyway? Because he lied. He lied when he said Duke Faber shot Jesse Mayo while Jesse was getting ready to mount his horse. How'd you know that? I knew it when I found out that Jesse took the bullet through his left side. But uh, how did you know? Well, you're ready to mount right now, aren't you? With one foot in the stirrup. Could a bullet hit you on the left side? Well, uh, not unless it came through the horse first. All right, there you are. There weren't any dead horses around McVeigh's place that I could see. Well, well, I'll be doggone. <laughs> mount up. <laughs> I'm up. Let's go. As I walked out on the streets of Laredo. <laughs> Feuds are pretty bitter things. But anyway, it's settled now, and it did give Hoppy the opportunity to repay a favor to an old friend. In their next thrilling adventure, Hoppy and California become involved in a murder and intrigue, and it's almost the finish of them before they discover the secret in the hill. Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd, is transcribed and produced in the West by Walter White, Jr. Lawyer of Laredo was written by Buckley Angel, with original music under the personal direction of Albert Glasser. All stories are based upon the characters created by Clarence E. Melford. This is a Commodore production. Stay tuned for The Bob Hope Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Bob Hope Show with special guest Edward G. Robinson. For the safety of your smile, use Pepsodent twice a day. See your dentist twice a year. Again this week, Pepsodent is proud to entertain the men and women in our armed forces. Tonight, Pepsodent brings to the personnel of the United States Army 3rd Air Force stationed at Drew Field, Tampa, Florida... The Pepsodent Show, starring Bob Hope and his special guest, Edward G. Robinson. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob broadcasting from Drew Field, Tampa, Florida, Hope. Telling all you Army airmen to use Pepsodent and your smacker won't be a slacker when you need it for a Florida cracker. <laughs> well, here I am in Florida. You know what Florida is. That's California, fatigue style. <laughs> I just got in from New York. In fact, my goose pimples haven't decided to go down yet. 
They think this climate must be some kind of booby trap. Florida is a long peninsula of land that sticks out into the ocean. On the map, it looks like a thumb that's waving the rest of the states at California. I made a mistake today. I went into a fruit store here and asked for a California orange. They let me have it. Then I get up and they let me have it again. But all that talk you hear about the rivalry between Florida and California is just a lot of propaganda. Why, they're as close as Crosby and Sinatra. <laughs> this morning here at Drew, I kept admiring the big bombers flying around with yellow ball turrets. Then I found out it was just the Florida mosquitoes ferrying their breakfast in from the grapefruit grove. <laughs> You've all heard of those Florida mosquitoes at the Flying Blood Bank. <laughs> They're the only mosquitoes I ever saw that used B-29s for fighter escort. <laughs> the hotel I'm stopping at must be very close to a swamp. This morning I rang the desk for maid service and Chloe came up and changed the linen. Skinny <laughs> Ennis did some deep sea fishing yesterday. There was a terrific 10-hour struggle, but Skinny finally got away. <laughs> Drew Field is located six miles from Tampa as the crow walks. He has to walk. The last crow that tried to fly had died of starvation waiting for the control tower to let him down. <laughs> and these, these guys here from Drew spend a lot of time in Clearwater. Clearwater, that sounds like a chaser, and they do. <laughs> and boy, you should see these girls. Yes, sir, one look at them, and you're no longer a boy. <laughs> I attended a very impressive ceremony here today. They gave a medal to the first guy who ever successfully completed 25 missions on the Tampa bus. <laughs> and they threw in four Band-Aid clusters. Tampa bus, that's a link trainer with tires. <laughs> but the climate here is so wonderful that a lot of grandmothers come down here to retire, and after a couple of weeks, they feel so good, they go to work. I, I know, I've been to the Rialto. <laughs> Rialto, I must explain, that's an aviation school where these flyers can go sit by the runway and study takeoff. <laughs> I'll be seeing you here.
mistake that you explained you a couple of nights ago. And though it's a dream, I never dreamed that she'd ever say hello. For maybe tonight I'll hold her tight when the moon be shine. My dreams are getting better all the time. Yes, sir. That was Skinny and a singing. My dreams are getting better all the time. Nice gasp and skin. Say, Skinny, tell me. How'd you like the trip down here to Florida? Awful, Bob. You had an awful trip, huh, Skin? Yeah, that's the last time I let my hair go long and ride in a baggage car. I didn't get a wake of sleep all night. Why not? Man, them other cocker spaniels had cold noses. <laughs> but, Bob, you know, I'm really glad I came here. I met a girl down here. It's just my type. Gee, that's too bad. I hope she recovers. <laughs> oh, hello, Francis. Francis, hi. <laughs> Well, Francis, how do you like Tampa? Oh, wonderful, Bob. And I'm really amazed at the reception these fellas gave me here at Drew Field. Oh, it's not so amazing. Look what they drew. <laughs> yes, sir. These boys are playing the field, too. Say, aren't you pretty tonight? You know, you look like you stepped out of a sax Fifth Avenue. Thanks, Bob. You look like you stepped out of a sax too. <laughs> Just wait till the next time you want to borrow my nylons. That's all. <laughs> By the way, Bob, how are you doing with the girls here? Oh, I'm letting them worry. Say, I, uh... <laughs> I was out with a Tampa debutante last night. She's a Tampa debutante? When did she come out? Last night when they closed the Rainbow Tavern. Say, uh... <laughs> That's the social club here. You know, Francis... 400. We came to Florida. We came to Florida the wrong time. I feel pretty dag about, bad about those dog tracks being closed. Oh, well, why should you feel bad, Bob? You're not in condition anyway. <laughs> I can't understand that all my kennel rations are homogenized. <laughs> Say, I bet you love being here in Florida. This is the Florida's your state, isn't it? That's right, Bob. I went back to Lakeland to visit my folks yesterday. And do your folks know all about your job working for me? Oh, no. I love them so much, I just keep letting them think that I have a nice, honest job dredging swamps. <laughs> see, Francie? No, it sure is good to get back home. Did you stop off to see your folks in North Carolina, Skin? Yeah, I thought it would cheer up old Grandpappy in it. Old Grandpappy's been feeling kind of low since the Yankees took away his rifle. Imagine those Yankees taking a poor old fellow's rifle away for nothing at all. That's the kind of a mean trick you can always expect from Yankees. Well, what was he doing with it, Skin? Shooting Yankees. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> Bob, I wonder if these soldiers get a chance to get home. Well, some of them do, Francie, but a lot of these boys go over to St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg? <laughs> yeah, that's the hardening of the arteries with a boardwalk. <laughs> They say that all the real old people in the country love to go to St. Petersburg and sit around in rocking chairs. I know, Bob. Have you got your reservations in yet? Yeah. <laughs> no, they rejected me. But say, Francis, let's show the folks what it'll be like when one of these Drew Flyers is about 80 and is talking to his wife. All right. You play the old girl, and I'll handle the Crosby part. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I'll be the old retired Drew Field Flyer, still looking forward to a furlough. And George Arliss music. <laughs> Thank you.
Francie. Here we are, just a couple of old cronies sitting on the front porch. Robert, stop rocking that chair so much. That ain't the chair, that's me. <laughs> well, Robert, what's cooking? I don't know, lost my recipe 30 years ago. <laughs> this Florida weather is wonderful, ain't it, Francie? Just look at that golden sunshine on my vest. That isn't sunshine, Robert. You spill orange juice this morning on your vest. Yeah. <laughs> I swan and I spent two hours trying to find something to button them seeds to. <laughs> Francis, just look at me. Fifty years ago, I was a pilot at Drew Field. Yes, Robert, fifty years ago. And those mosquito bites are getting better already. <laughs> Gee, Francis. Remember when I used to fly 30,000 feet up? I must be getting old. What makes you say that, Robert? I bent over to tie my shoelace this morning and blacked out. <laughs> say, how long were you in the ro Army, Robert? Oh, something in the neighborhood of 30 years. How long have you been out of the Army, Robert? Oh, something in the neighborhood of 40 years. What made you get out of the Army? Something in the neighborhood. <laughs> It's time for my vitamins. Robert, why do you take those vitamin pills on the bottom shelf? So I can reach the vitamin pills on the top shelf. <laughs> Look, Robert, here comes your old MT, Sergeant Mather. <laughs> hey, are you getting fresh with this here girl? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Shame to you. He used to be one of the best men at the camp. You blinkety blank, blank, blank. You don't act the way you used to. And you don't talk the way you used to. <laughs> oh, a tough guy I am. Well, I can handle you. I'll blow my whistle and get some help. Mm. Mm. Darn the cut from them heavy peas in it. <laughs> well, now you listen. Don't try and get tough. I may be old, but I'm still as strong as enough. Yeah, I'm just as smart. <laughs> well, you can't talk that way to me. I'm going to hit you over the head with your hot water bottle. You ain't going to hit me over the head with a hot water bottle. Oh, well, it's bath night anyway. <laughs>
any other toothpaste you've tried. See if your teeth aren't noticeably brighter in just one week after you change to Pepsodent toothpaste. You see, Pepsodent toothpaste contains irium, the exclusive cleansing ingredient. Pepsodent toothpaste with irium removes the film that makes your teeth look dull. It loosens film and floats it away quickly, easily, safely. Brings new brilliance to your teeth. So forget other brands you've tried. Change to Pepsodent Toothpaste. And in just one week, see the difference in the brightness of your teeth, the sparkle of your smile. Ask for refreshing Pepsodent Toothpaste. Because Pepsodent, and only Pepsodent, contains Irium. to present a good friend of mine, a man who has entertained the boys in hundreds of camps, both here and overseas, that very fine actor, currently being seen in that thrilling picture, Woman in the Window, Mr. Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> well, thank you, Bob, and thank you, boys. Well, how's Little Caesar? Fine, and how's Big Beezer? <laughs> Listen, Robinson, are you trying to push me around? Uh, uh, Bob, I wouldn't think of trying to push you around. That'd be a job for a bulldozer. <laughs> Edward G. Robinson. Tell me, Ed, what does the G stand for? Oh, uh, Bob, please don't ask me. Oh, come on, Ed. Tell us what the G stands for. Uh, geranium. <laughs> geranium? Well, that's a flower. Well, you should laugh with that part. <laughs> talk like that if you didn't tote a gun. Uh, uh, Bob, I wish you wouldn't give the impression that I was tough. I'm really a very gentle, artistic kind of a fellow. You know, I love the big flowers and the watch the birds and the bees and the little chipmunks and the trees. <laughs> How do you like that? He talks like a top sergeant and sounds like an eager beaver. <laughs> eager beaver, that's a boy scout with an Eisenhower complex. Now, listen, Hope, I told you that I ain't tough. Now, I'm a simple, kindly guy, see? Just a gentle, good-hearted little guy, see? I get that straight or I'll bash in your skull for you. <laughs> Unusual type of pantyways, isn't it? <laughs> you know what? I'm a pretty tough guy myself. Well, when I walk into a room in Hollywood, Rast and Alan Ladd walk right out. Well, have you tried life, boy? <laughs> This field ain't big enough for the both. Wait, let me see. No, and I'm not kidding. Why, back in Cleveland, when I was a kid, we used to go around tying knots into everything we saw. 
You tied knots into everything you saw? Yeah, in fact, any cow in the neighborhood who gave milk was a tourist. Uh, yeah, but uh, getting back... Uh, getting back now, smoking cigars is what makes me seem tough, Bob. Oh, you're a cigar smoker. Have you tried any of these famous Tampa cigars? Well, I'm not that tough. <laughs> You know, I'm uh, really a gentle guy at heart. I'm quite interested in fine laces and ceramics. Most any time you'll find art collectors at my home. Well, that's coincidence. I'm interested in the same sort of thing myself. Yes, I know. I've seen plenty of collectors at your house, too. <laughs> oh, really? I'm, 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 I'm sorry I said that, Bob. I'm really here tonight on behalf of the March of Dimes. The March of Dimes? You mean you want a dime out of me? You want me to give you a, give you a dime? No, uh... Please, please, Bob. Now, stop trembling. It's only a dime. Well, you caught me at a bad time. Oh. Well, then you've got it on you. Uh, <laughs> well, yes. Well, well, no, that is not in cash. Well, gosh, Bob, you know, getting a dime out of you is like pulling teeth. Ed, quiet. This is a petulant show. Please. Oh, me. Okay. Okay, you win, Ed. Here, I've got my wallet out now. I'll open it up. Zipper needs a little oil. <laughs> well, it's not in there anyplace. I better call my banker, Morgenthau Colonna. Hi, y'all. This is the operator, y'all. Well, shut my mouth, honey child. Shut my mouth. You better put in a real nickel or I will. <laughs> Hello? 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 Hey, this is quite a coincidence, Colonna. I was just going to call you. I know. I was listening in. <laughs> Well, Kelowna, how are things at the bank? Oh, packing up. Kelowna, you mean picking up. No, packing up. Books go down. <laughs> well, Professor, Professor, I'm coming down to see you. I want to draw out a dime. Yeah, aren't you being a little rash, Hope? You just drew out a dime last April. <laughs> I have a little news for you, Hope. You haven't any money in the bank. I lost it all at Hilo. I lied. High low, high lie, what's the difference? I was high and you came out low, that's all. <laughs> hey, Hope, you better, you better call me back later. I'm really very busy. You see, I'm over here trying to get these books balanced. Trying to get the books balanced? That's right. Okay, Joe, roll them out again. <laughs> hey, uh, Bob, if that's your banker, I'd like to talk to him. Uh, uh, listen, Kelowna, we need your help. Bob Hope wants to draw out some money. He doesn't need my help. He should draw it out further than any guy I know. <laughs> Kelowna, is your bank in good shape? Do you have any liquid assets? Yes, I've been hiding a couple of fifths in the bottom drawer. <laughs> tell me. Tell me, Professor, is your bank making money? Ah, yes, Hope. I am annually grossing revenues beyond my capitalization, and my income accruing from negotiable transactions is equalized by assets for the fiscal year balanced by bonded indebtedness. Well, what does that mean? I've got a dog track in the cellar. <laughs> Colonna's bank and get the money. Had to stop for a traffic light. Well, here we are at the bank. Hey, look, Eddie, there's Colonna's secretary. This will be a treat for you to meet a real native Florida girl. They're different from other girls, really different. Well, hello, honey lamb, sugar pie, magnolia blossom, chitlin cake, darling, angel man, honeysuckle child, lovey boy, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> well, hello, honey. Oh! There, that'll teach you to get fresh with me. Yeah. 
I guess they are so different. Uh, come on, Bob. Uh, let's find this banker, Colonna. I'll call him myself. Oh, Colonna. I'm sorry, Hope, but I can't find your money. Colonna, have you tried the vault? Yes, but I still prefer the rumba. Uh-oh. Hey, the joint's being knocked over. Hey, Joe, keep the motor running. Okay, you guys, throw everything you got into this bag and make it quick. I'm in a hurry. What's your hurry? We got only a snake card. <laughs> Just a minute. You can't get away with that. Listen, I'm not afraid of any man or you either, Hope. Well, don't worry, Hope. I'll handle this. So you're a tough guy, eh? You want to be smart. You want to rob banks. Well, you're not getting away with it. See, you're not getting away with it. Ain't he wonderful? Just like the movies. <laughs> Stop wasting my time, short there. Stick him up. Now, listen, you're talking a little Caesar. You can't push me around. I'll let you have it. Two more steps and I'll plug you. Oh, yeah? What are you going to do now, Eddie? Anybody got Bogart's phone number? <laughs> Come on, Professor. Help me load this loot. Oh, so you're in with the mob, Colonna. Yes. Now, stay where you are. I'll shoot anybody that gets in my way. Are well, you finished, Colonna? Here come the bulls. They won't stop me. I'll take them off one by one. Here goes one bull. Here goes another bull. Dad, how do you like that? Now they even got women cops. <laughs> You men here at Drew Field, the power that you wield will raise the score and prove that your United States Air Shield. And we thank you so much. And thanks for the memory of men who fly the plane, that free the airways lane. With mighty blow, the foe will know you'll stop their growing pain. And we thank you so much. Hope. While these boys are over there flying, keeping our way of living from dying, let's show with a bond that we're buying. They'll have the jack for their attack. Thank you, Edward G. Robinson, for your fine performance, and we appreciate your helping us out tonight. And thanks to Major General Westside C. Larson, Commanding General of the Third Air Force, Colonel Wendell B. McCoy, Major C. Delano, and all you great men here for the reception given us here tonight. Next Tuesday, we'll be seeing you Navy men at Memphis, Tennessee. And in the meantime, we're going to drop in at Orlando, Coral Gables, St. Petersburg, Miami, and Savannah, Georgia. Folks, as we all know, today is President Roosevelt's birthday. For that matter, Crosby isn't getting any younger either. But no kidding. I know everybody in America would like to wish the president as happy a birthday as a president can have under the terrible strain of war. And since the public can't send greetings by telegram, Let's handle the case right here. Fellas, how about a little birthday cheer for FDR? Yes, sir. Thank you, boys. That came from the hearts of a lot of B-17 men, the kind of fellas that make a man mighty proud to be president and just as proud to be an average American. Wasn't that a thrilling demonstration, Edward G. Robinson? It sure is, Bob. And ladies and gentlemen, there's just one more thing we ought to do before midnight, and that's to get our dimes and dollars into the mail and into the fight against infantile paralysis. You know, friends, ever since Pearl Harbor, kids like these B-17 pilots and bombardiers and the rest have been taking pretty good care of America. And a pretty good way of thanking them is to see that every kid gets a chance to grow up as strong and healthy as these men who peddle the blockbusters. Let's unfold some of that folding money tonight. Or if you'd rather hear it jingle, chip in plenty of dimes to the March of Dimes. Good night. Good night, Eddie. Good night, Bob. 
Again, Pestilent has presented Bob Hope broadcasting to the men and women in the armed forces throughout America and by shortwave across the sea. Next week from the cotton country, Pestilent will present Bob Hope entertaining the personnel station at the U.S. Naval Air Technical Training Center, Memphis, Tennessee. And this is Jay Wesley reminding you to always use Pestilent, the product that's number one with men and women under service. This broadcast came to you from the 3rd Air Force Headquarters, Drewfield, Tampa, Florida. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with Inner Sanctum, followed by The Jack Benny Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Zneimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.